Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Welcome to the Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. Do you have a mate that doesn't seem great? Maybe their team is up, but they're still down. A dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask Are You OK? Dare Iced Coffee, a proud partner of Are You OK? Welcome to the Conversations That Could. I'm Dermot Brereton. Each week on the show, I talk to people from across the sporting landscape, hear their remarkable stories and discuss issues surrounding mental health, the struggles, the successes, and ways in which we can all support each other through the challenges that life presents. Our guest tonight is Beck Danaher. Her name is synonymous with footy royalty for those familiar with the Danaher family legacy and Beck's AFL legendary father, Neil. And I've seen the wrong end of the Danaher family along the way, I can tell you. A wonderful, wonderful family. After being diagnosed with MND in 2013, Neil and the Danaher family have campaigned tirelessly to find effective treatments and ultimately a cure for motor neurone disease, the neurological disorder which leads to slow degeneration of the body. Beck Danaher is now a campaign director at the Fight MND Foundation. Beck, Welcome to the conversations that could for Are You OK? Thanks for having me on. Now, as I said, I've seen the Danaher family from the <laughs> wrong end. I never got to play against the great Neil, your father, but my God, Terry punched me in the head a whole lot of times. <laughs> I won't say that I didn't deserve it, but uh, your family is such a sporting, iconic, legendary name in the Australian rules landscape. There's a bit of weight there. There is, absolutely. I'm glad that I wasn't in my brother's shoes having to go into the AFL world and, and take on the Danaher name, but uh, we're so lucky with what sport can bring to you, the opportunities that get uh, allowed to you as well. So seeing um, pictures of the four brothers playing together, that is just such an iconic moment in AFL history and, um, you know, AFL's done so much for us as a family. You still say young, as you're a young lady, and so you would not have seen your father play but you've seen the replays, you've seen the highlights, I imagine. Oh, there's one uh, highlight uh, Neil keeps showing me against the Carlton where he kicked that winning goal. Winning goal. So, yeah, I've seen that plenty Princess, of times. Princess Park, yeah. Yep. And, and, and let's, Terry was an all-time great. Yep. But many of the Essendon faithful say, you know, they love doing it. Every club does it. Oh, Neil could have been better if he had a steer clear of injury. Yeah, that yeah. must have been annoying. Coulda, coulda, coulda. For yes. Terry as well. Yeah, um, yes, exactly. Is there a comp- was there ever a competition between them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I know down uh, in Hungary, so Dad grew up in Hungary. With Riverina? His, yep, yep. Riverina area with his four brothers. And I can imagine what pre-season looked like uh, as they're all training, getting ready for Essendon or uh, Anthony was at Sydney hip and shoulders, uh, running up and down the dirt tracks, who can be fastest. And cricket was also 
one that they were very competitive over as well. Now, it's hard not to have a chat with Terry Danaher, but he says, yeah, in his that drawl he's got from Hungary, he's going, yeah, Dad sent, you know, Chris and the other brothers, we would have worked the land and... Yeah, Neil got sent off to private school. <laughs> he put all his energy into Neil being the educated one. Yeah, so at 11, uh, Dad got shipped off to boarding school. And I think my grandma thought that maybe he might be uh, heading into priesthood, but that was not the case whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Very Catholic family. Very, very Catholic. So she had small hopes, but I think every time Dad came back from boarding school, that came a little bit dimmer each time. <laughs> so for listeners outside of all the AFL states, um, you know, like Queenslanders, New South South Welshmen who, who follow rugby league, rugby union, uh, they might not be as familiar with the Danaher surname. Um, so I'll, I'll just give a brief synopsis. So there was four brothers who played AFL, which was extraordinary in itself. Um, all-time greats. Terry's an all-time great. Neil is classed as an all-time great, but his career was cut down short uh, I don't think I would have liked to have played him, but I'd have liked the privilege to play against him. Um, and so we view in the AFL fraternity the Danaher, take aside what you and Neil have, are doing now, which we'll go into very, very shortly. The name is legendary as for competitiveness, talent, skill, application, all the virtues that go into professional sport. The Danaher name is a signature. It is. I, I think it is. But, you know, growing up, Danaher was just my surname and dad was just my dad. And my uncles were people we had a, a good laugh and a, and they love a wine, so having a wine with them over Christmas. So um, it's been eye-opening, I think, over the past seven years with Fight MND to see what that surname actually means and the incredible support that the public have for it. And it's so lovely to listen to the stories people have. And I've been able to get a really good insight as well through dad's book, so he wrote this book. It started off just being a letter to the grandchildren, but, you know, Dad, he uh, has to take it a step He's further. expensive. <laughs> he is. He's made it. Uh, so having that book and being able to read into what it was like um, growing up at Windy Hill um, as a young teenager heading into footy and, and the highs and lows of footy, he, uh, his career was cut short. He had multiple knee recos, shoulder. It seemed like a very frustrating um, part of his journey. And uh, But, yeah, seeing, seeing the Danaher's... Um, even just getting to experience there was the 150th for the Essendon Football Club and the four brothers were together on, on the wing. How wonderful. It was just incredible. So, uh, yeah, for me growing up, it was just, you know, something part of the parcel. And then um, over the last seven years, just seeing the amount of respect and, and the commitment to help from the communities really blow me away. I, I have this love-hate relationship with Essendon. They were our nemesis. They used to belt the bejesus out of us and... But the competition, we loved them for the competition. We, there was really real anger and angst when we played them. And I've never played in games that were more ferocious and you felt less safe than playing a game. <laughs> I remember once with Terry in the grand final, he, he came down, the ball was 150 metres up the other end of the ground. 
uh, someone was having a shot for goal from Essendon, 150 metres away. And Terry was just pushing me and prodding me. So I pushed him back harder. He pushed me back. And then he just flushed me on the jaw with a with a big lefty because he's a left-hander. He's just punched me. And I looked at the goal umper who, who I'd insulted a couple of minutes before. He just smiled at me. I thought, oh, no, this is an open entree for Terry to do what he wants. But And I know that's this day and age has moved, but that's the competitiveness of the Danaher clan, isn't it? We will do everything we can to win and fight in any battle. Oh, absolutely. And if you speak to Edna, who's my grandma, uh, she would say they could do no wrong. That that was nothing. That was just a touch on the uh, touch on the cheek, Dermy. But um, <laughs> yeah, they're tenacious lot, and I think you can see that the careers that they spanned were incredible. The length of and the amount of games that they had, and the premierships that they got to be a part of. Um, you can only get there if you're a bit tenacious. Yeah, and for someone with a surname like Brereton, uh, a hearing a Dunaher. And having Irish parents, there was always a fondness for the Danahers the as yeah. well. Well, there was yeah. 11 of them growing up in a little uh, Oh, you mean house. there could have been more? There were seven sisters. So it was a competitive environment right from the very time you took your first step. There's a fair chance. You, old man Danaher was Roman Catholic then. Uh, Irish Catholic through and through. That's why there's 11 of them. <laughs> now, what about you, your sporting background? And uh, you, were, you were quite a good sports person yourself? Yeah, I uh, doubled. Um, I was a rower for a long period of time, which is a crazy sport to be a part of. Who can get to the furthest spot backwards as quickly as possible? But um, yeah, it was able I just to... put that together. Yeah, you're facing the wrong way. Facing eh? the yeah, wrong yeah, way. Yeah. Um, going backwards quickly is, is what we're renowned for. Um, but it took me a lot of amazing places. Um, got to put on the uh, the yellow and green for Australia. So Unreal. incredible experience. Um, I'll never forget the moment being on the start line and hearing them say Australia, you know, New Zealand, America. Like it's just, you what, know, blows what, me away. What tournament or competition was that? So I went across for the world champs in South Korea. Yep. Um, so originally selected as a, uh, a reserve. And so that was pretty tough. Yep. Um, really tough experience. You've got to do all the training. Um, you've got to do everything the whole way through, but you might not be able to have an opportunity to get on the water. But I did, so got to row in the pair and the eight, filling in essentially. And just the experience of that is something um, I'll take with me. And you learn a lot from rowing and you do from competitive sport. You've got to be resilient. Um, I was always classified as too short. But too not short? Too short. Um, what are you, 5'10"? Yep, 5'10". And, yeah. But in terms of rowing, that's the lever sport, so the taller the better. But I was a bit of a bulldog. I just wouldn't go away. Missed team after team after team. Well, you are a Danaher. Yeah, no, I was like, I can do this. I know I can do this. So I sort of hung in there for as long as possible and finally got the opportunity um, to travel with the team and, and to go to different locations overseas. And I learned a lot. Would never go back to it. <laughs> it's a mad sport. But, yeah, uh, really blessed that I was able to be a part of it. Now, I had had a very good friend who ended up living in Bali and he had his own villas in Bali. And his name was Jamie Crow. And about 20 years ago, Jamie Crow, we all heard, he got diagnosed with something called MND. Some of my mates said, that's really bad. And I said, oh, he said, he'll fight through. He's all right. He's a good bloke. He's, yeah, he'll be fine. He passed away, I reckon, about four years later. And we had no idea what MND is. Uh, where were you when you heard that your father was diagnosed with MND and what did it mean to you? Did you know the ramifications of what it was to have MND? Uh, 
No, I'll never forget. Dad sat me down at a cafe. So he was living over in WA. Found out after he'd come back, he originally got the diagnosis over in WA, but he wanted to, you know, double check it. So he came across to Melbourne and uh, ran the tests again and got the same diagnosis. So he sat me down um, at this cafe and the way that he talked, I had no idea what it was. I knew it stood for motor neuron disease. I knew Stephen Hawking had it and he's had it for, well, he had it for about 30 plus years. So I had no idea what it meant and, you know, Dad was sort of um, quite cavalier in how he he put it to me so I didn't recognise the severity of what he was talking about and he essentially said, you know, I could be hit by a bus tomorrow. These are the things that we have to deal with and and we'll deal with them and and we'll keep pushing through. Um, And I really buried my head in the sand. I didn't uh, Google it for about six to eight weeks later. I was over in South Korea, terrible time to do it, but um, it just took me a while to get the guts to do it and jumped into Google and read that an average lifespan of someone with MND is 27 months. Um, that'll slowly paralyze him until he can no longer talk, walk, eat, and then eventually he won't be able to breathe. And then this is my dad. He's, you know, early fifties, he's fighting fit. Um, he's loud and funny and he's got so much wisdom to, to provide to everyone. It just didn't compute. And I think in this day and age, that's it's so rare that you find something that you can't fight back. I, I think also it might be worth adding uh, for people who, who don't know the Danaher clan, everyone thinks their father is indestructible. And I'm not saying this to, to be for a bit of levity. A Danaher is indestructible. Yeah, those, those men I played against, those Danahers were just bulletproof. So to have your father, who everyone thinks is indestructible, and then it be the great Neil Danaher, you would have thought, he'll fight through. 100%. I, I was thinking, okay, when he told me, I'm like, all right, so what's, what's the treatments? What, how can we fight back against MND? And to read that there is nothing for them to do. They just have this diagnosis that tells them that eventually they won't be able to talk to their family and friends, that they won't be able to feed themselves. And eventually they're not going to be able to breathe, but their mind is so active. It's so aware of, of this um, sort of deterioration of the body. As we saw with Stephen Hawking in all those uh, uh, um, snippets on TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's mind-blowing. Um, and we like fighting back. Everything that we've done our entire life, we, we take oh, on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we take on the challenge, we find a way um, and we fight back. And reading a diagnosis saying there's no treatment and there's not really that much being happening in the medical research world it was gutting. It really was. It was really, really tough. It took a while to wrap our heads around uh, what this could look like as a family. So from there, not knowing anything, I've, I've just got a blurb here. And I'll, I'll read it out because this is what you were confronted with when you thought, dad's a fighter, dad's tough, dad's everything. He'll fight this and he'll beat it. Motor neuron disease is the name given to a group of diseases in which the nerve cells, the neurons, controlling the muscles that enable us to move speak, swallow and breathe, fail to work normally and eventually die. With no nerves to activate them, the muscles gradually weaken and waste. There is currently no truly effective treatment and no known cure. So this is why we fight MND. Absolutely. We need to change that. There is an answer. There is a way. We've seen incredible medical research happening in cancer in lots of different areas. We just need to take the time and 
Do it as quickly as possible. I want the answer tomorrow. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I wish that um, this campaign had started 20 years ago and that we were doing what we're doing now, you know, 20 years before Dad was diagnosed. But it, this is what we've been um, delivered and this is the hand that we have and we're going to do everything we can to change it because we don't want families going through what our family is going through. Mm-hmm. But there's so many other families out there right across Australia that either lost loved ones or they're watching their loved one go through this. You've, you've come up with a nickname for it, the, the Danaher's? Yeah, it's the beast. Dad always said to be able to fight something, you've got to be able to visualise it. You've got to, got to make it into a tangible thing. Dad called it the beast and we're fighting back against the beast every single day and we do feel that we're delivering blows against the beast. It's just going to take time. You know, the beast is getting nervous. After the break, we're going to talk to you about fighting the beast. I'm Dermot Burton and our guest tonight, Beck Danaher, Campaign Director at the Fight MND Foundation and daughter of AFL legend Neil Danaher. More with Beck in a moment. The Conversations That Could with Dermot Burton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back to The Conversations That Could. I'm Dermot Brereton and our guest tonight is Beck Danaher. Now, Fight MND was founded by Pat Cunningham, your father, Neil, and the late Dr Ian Davis, leaders with a vision of a world free of motor neurone disease. Yeah, it started way back in the uh, end of 2014. We came together as an organisation, all volunteers. Um, Pat Cunningham, uh, his wife, was currently battling MND when we started, but unfortunately she lost her battle in 2016. And the late Ian Davis um, was diagnosed with MND in his early 30s and he passed away in 2018. So it's a a foundation that's been formed from people with skin in the game. And I think that's been so important for what we're putting together. Urgency is one of our number one values as an organisation because we want to close our doors as quickly as possible. What are some of the major milestones, achievements the research has made? Is there any learnings that we've got since 2014? We are in a position where we've never known as much as M&D as we do now. So we've seen such great acceleration in research against this beast of a disease. And from my perspective, something that I'm really proud of is our clinical trials that we've been able to put on offer these clinical trials are so important because they give people with MND an opportunity to be a part of that answer, to be a part of the medical research. MND doesn't allow you many ways to fight back and clinical trials for us is one of those ways. Any little signature areas where we've gained a bit of knowledge about it? It's a really complicated disease. Um, when we think about MND, we just think about this one disease, but it's an umbrella term. We're going to be in a position in the future where we're going to be able to say this person has MNDA, this person has MNDB, MNDC, and we're going to be able to target the treatments. Okay. But we're sort of starting further back than what we would like to. So we're working at ways to identify what type of MND you have, um, what potential treatments could work more effectively on that. MND needed more capacity building. There weren't many people in the research sector who could take it on. The funding wasn't there. These researchers need to be able to feed their family. They need to be able to live, but there needs to be the right amount of money in the area for them to take it on. Um, We've just done a a grants uh, review um, for our next period of funding, and we've never received so many applications to want to work on MND research. And that is what's really exciting. We need to bring in the best and the brightest. It sounds like there's this massive steel 
wall up between you and the research on one side and knowledge on the other side. We don't know what causes MND. So there's 10%, which is hereditary, and then about 90 plus percent, which is random. I don't know why dad got MND. I don't know why he's still with us. You know, 27 months is the average lifespan, but he's gone on for a lot longer than that. I don't know why my friend only lasted six weeks from the diagnosis before she passed away. Mm. So there's a lot of keys that we need to be able to find before we're going to be able to find that final answer. Um, And so what we're trying to do is really sort of focus on finding a treatment to extend life because we need to extend that life before we can find the answer to shut it all down. Your dad is a hero and the way he's attacking it. I've got to take my hat off to you. It must be confronting because you're meeting people constantly that you know that it's finite. They're not going to be here. It could be, as you say, in six weeks, definitely not within, you know, a handful of short years. And you're seeing these people depart and you're still here. And, and you're even, as you said, I think it's, uh, was it 10% you said can be attributed to hereditary? So you're a small, it's, it's way, 10% is 10% too much. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, what you're doing is, you know, it's to be lauded it is, and it's terribly brave. It goes in two ways. Like it is such a roller coaster. this journey. Um, when Dad was diagnosed, I was 23 and I'd really not known grief. I had both sets of my grandparents. I had, you know, death had not touched me. Um, and then over the course of working with Fight MND to work and um, speak with so many people with MND and to lose them, it was is really gutting. It's really difficult. And that that's where the lows come from. But what Fight MND has enabled me is to find a way to fight back. Watching someone with a terminal illness and to see the progression is hard and it can make you, make you feel really hopeless. But what Fight MND has allowed me is to take back control in some way, to find a way to find this positive in this really terrible scenario and to find, yeah, to fight back, to, to make a difference for people in the future and I'm really hoping that one day there won't be a daughter that's sitting across from a father hearing this diagnosis and saying that there's nothing we can do. I want to be in a position where the father's going to be able to say, but don't worry, I can do X, Y, Z and I can fight back and, and this isn't the end of the world. How do you comfort your mind being exposed to all this, not destruction, but it's, 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 taking down of little portions of your world, isn't it? The, removing people along the journey. As you've just explained, how do you find a little bit of sanctuary from it? Dad's attitude to this situation is what keeps me going ahead. Um, he always talks about no matter the situation, you can always find a, a positive, you can always find a way forward. And seeing how he's taken on the beast. He's the one that's on the front line. I'm standing behind him. He's able to find positive ways forward. He's able to, you know, fight back. He's able to find ways to take control of a situation uh, for the better. And he is the person that leads me with this. Um, If he can be positive, then bloody hell, so can I. Um, And, you know, Dad always That's awesome. That's an awesome attitude. (laughs) Dad always talks about, you know, everything can be taken away from you. You Your wealth, your health, your reputation, everything, except for your ability to choose your own attitude, to choose your own way. And that's what we're doing. That's in your hands. Yeah, that is. That is. You know, M&D's taken a lot from us. And every single day, you know, Dad is not as strong as what he was the day before. But that is the cards that we've been dealt and we're choosing to you know, rally the troops, to fundraise as much as we can, to bring joy and laughter to people's faces. That's what the big freeze is about. 
it's it may be grim the message that we're telling them the terminal illness you know this is uh, 27 months a lot of people are dying from this disease but we're going to have fun and we're going to laugh and we're going to raise as much money as we can and go out on a high now there'll be people saying please don't ask that question but I, I, because Neil's put himself up there as the as the yardstick you said day by day week by week you must be able to see the deterioration in your in your dad that's confronting it is um m and d's Never been so real to me. And it's a funny thing to say. Uh, but Dad had a slower progressing version of MND. Yep. And for a long time, you know, it, it was quite slow. And there were certain things that were being taken away from him. But we're in a position where his speech and him talking to us is being taken away from us. And that is so incredibly hard. He is funny. He's witty. He is. He is. He he's is. very funny and witty, and he's. Oh, he thinks he's really funny. No, but he's, he's got a great <laughs> sense of humour, and he's a. He's all. He always had the quick comeback. He did. Yeah. It's hard to. I was just talking with him the other day, and with some friends of ours, and Dad's um, on the text message. Uh, is that how he communicates now? Yeah, he, he can talk, but it, it's quite difficult to understand him. So he can still text, which is incredible because M&D was affecting his hands from the get-go. But he can still text and his message was, it's hard to be witty, hard to put, uh, provide a witty comeback when it has to be by text message. So, you know, he's just... He's going down with a fight, A hundred percent. He is. So... Yeah, for, for us, M&D is really real. Um, COVID is scary for us. And that's been two years where we're essentially separating ourselves from a lot of our friends um, yep. and our normal way of life because we have made a decision that we want to spend time with Dad and to keep Dad safe. We need to make sure that we're not going to bring COVID into the house. So it's just been hard. And, and I think the frustrating thing with COVID is that we want dad to be able to go and experience all these things because we don't know how much more time we've got with him. Yeah. And we want him to be able to come on the march at the big freeze. We want him to be able to go to dinner with friends and family, but it's just such a risk at the moment. So mm. we feel like we're missing out on these opportunities. You would have heard an ex-teammate of mine, um, best on ground in, in the grand final, wins the Norm Smith medal in 1991, Paul Deere passed away and had you know, met with him several times recently and had lunch with him a couple of months ago and a few months ago. And he said it was a blessing being given a diagnosis that had uh, a, a, a time frame to it because mm. he got to say goodbye to everyone. Did it happen constantly? And, and when Neil did have the great powers of speech and he was a wonderful orator... Have you had the chance and is it ongoing? Do you say goodbye to him regularly? No, no, that's not our attitude. Dad's right. by our side. Um, we are living life and we're going to live it to the best that we can. Um, we look at what we get. Not, I'm not going to be saying goodbye to Dad until the very end. He's with me, he's by my side and... And that's what's been really important, that he's proven that 27 months Funny doesn't tough, get tough, isn't he? He's still he tough now. 27 <laughs> months, he kicked down that door and he's still going. Um, so, you know, I think every moment we have is a blessing. We are so incredibly grateful that we've had these extra years. Dad got to have walked me down the aisle. He's been able to hold my eight-month-old in his lap. These yeah. are these things that we never thought we would have. But, gosh, it's extra special when you've got um, a terminal illness and you get to be able to do these things. Yeah, they're as stubborn as I thought they would be. Absolutely. The Dennis, absolutely, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, you never know what can happen. You know, you never know if that eureka moment's going to come. So awesome. we're going to keep fighting till the end. I'm Dermot Brereton, and our guest tonight is Beck Danaher. Head to fightmnd.org.au. 
for info or to donate. This is the conversations that could for Are You OK? Brought to you by Dare Iced Coffee. Dare Iced Coffee, a proud partner of Are You OK? The conversations that could with Dermot Brereton. When your mate bottles it up, a dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask Are You OK? Welcome back to the conversations that could for Are You OK? I'm Dermot Brereton and my guest tonight is Beck Danaher, campaign director for Fight MND, daughter of AFL legend Neil Danaher, who was diagnosed with MND back in 2013 and has since taken the Danaher family on a remarkable journey to become world-leading advocates for better treatments and ultimately searching for a cure for MND. You have a massive, a massive team of volunteers. How many people are pitching in for Fight MND? I couldn't even put a number to it. You've got, on Big Freeze Day, we had over 300 volunteers that turn up at the MCG to help us sell beanies to Tin Shake. Then we've got all the volunteers out there right across Australia that are fundraising. That's that's in their own time. Yeah. Um, We're nearly reaching a million dollars from community fundraising for the Big Freeze campaign. Um, and then in terms of like our beanies, our beanie packers are all volunteers. So every time someone receives a parcel, that's from a volunteer that's come down to pack it. So people in, in the northern states who aren't totally aware of the, the, the system you've put in place, we say beanie packers. Yeah. How many beanies have you sold? Those blue and grey beanies, the Fight MND, and it's got the year on the side. They're collector's items, literally, they are. aren't they? We've sold a lot. Um, year one, it was an idea that myself, my husband and my sister uh, came towards Dad because we wanted to find a way that we could be a part of the campaign and we wanted to, to find a way to help fundraise. And uh, we put forward 10,000 units. That's what we wanted to get made. And yeah. we got ticked off for 5,000, ended up selling 33,000 that first year. In year one? In year one. That's um, the smallest year so far. 100%. So, <laughs> no, the number has grown dramatically. Um, but it's incredible to see them. We call it out in the wild. And to see these beanies just shows to us that the community want to support and they're, they're backing it. And... The beanie is something that sh- it's your badge of honour. It's your badge to be a part of it. And I think people with MND can look around and see how many people are out there are wanting to make a difference for their, them and their families. I never thought of that, but you're so right. Uh, uh, I'm very fortunate spent a lot of time up in the Riverina. And there are people up there who said to me, can you buy me one of those beanies and I'll give you the money uh, when you come up, so take up a few beanies. And people who've never watched a game of AFL, they know what it is, of course. They've bought those beanies and it just automatically puts them in a club. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A club that's supporting this this idea that we can find reason or, or, or fight against MND. Yeah, MND doesn't know borders, so... You know, the big freeze may be in Melbourne at the MCG, but MND is everywhere. And in particular, Riverina has been hit so hard by MND. We talk about some hot spots where there are more cases than not, uh, than other areas. And Riverina, for some reason, seems to have a lot of MND diagnosis. Any reason that the, uh, you guys are researching everything? Any reason behind that? Well, having to look at all different reasons. As, as I said, we don't know the causes behind it. So there's a lot of research going into that to find it. Uh, why does someone get 
get diagnosed with MND? What what are the components that make you more applicable to get the disease? If we can find that, that's going to answer a lot of questions that we have. So it's definitely something that we want to know. But MND is just all across Australia. Um, we've had some incredible fundraisers in the Yupoon in Queensland. Each year they raise about $100,000. This tiny little town in Queensland that doesn't have anything associated with AFL. It's not big AFL state, but yeah. they, um, they fundraise. You've got Boxwood versus Lake Grace in WA. This country towns come together as a footy game. Over 100,000 raised from them. So I think M&D is just everywhere. And seeing these beanies out there just shows those people that are, that are right across Australia that we're here and we're fighting. The volunteers, the stimulation of actually pitching in, and you can see it on the, on the representatives, the, um, the volunteers, when they are on the job, there's a great camaraderie between them. I think it's quite stimulating and activates those hormones which make you feel <laughs> yeah. good and say, hey, I'm part of it, I'm... I'm doing my bit. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, you know, you're doing something good and it makes you feel good. So being given these opportunities, I think the real special ones is having these conversations that uh, people have lost family members or friends to MND and it gives them a way to fight back or to be a part of something that hopefully will find an answer for, for those loved ones. And we do find that a lot with the community fundraising, that the people that are leading the charge are the ones that have been impacted by MND. I've, I've had fight MND in my role here. That's my way of fighting back. A lot of the community members use this activation to just, oh, I won't swear or anything, but to, to take on the beast. Um, I think it's, been, it's a really important aspect of what we do is, is enabling people to be empowered to fight back in some capacity. I think mentally that is really important. Is there any scenario where if there's real early detection, does it have any bearing on how you move forward? The earlier you can have a diagnosis, there is um, a drug on, on the shelves at the moment that is more helpful the earlier you can start taking it. Yep. I think the awareness of what MND is has allowed for MND detection to occur a lot earlier. You know, it took Dad between 6 and 12 months to have that diagnosis. They were looking at all of the autoimmune diseases and hoping, really hoping, that that was what Dad yeah. had. Yeah. It was almost like you had to tick everything off before and MND was what you were left because MND you can't do anything so you want to be want to give someone a diagnosis that says don't worry you've got this and you can do that but I can't imagine these neurologists who have to sit in front of a healthy individual and tell them that they might be gone in two years. Before we go to the break um, I would imagine you wouldn't be a scenario there wouldn't be a scenario where there's a healthy person who says I'm going to go and get tested for MND. There must be some trigger point that suggests, hey, I need to go and check myself out for something. I don't know what it is. What is that trigger? It's usually a weakness. So um, depending on where MND uh, is rearing its head, um, you know, a lot of people will feel it either in their hands or they might stumble and it's in their feet or they might start having slurred speech. So there's sort of um, early signs. I know Dad talks about how he was struggling to put washing on the washing line. I'm not sure how true that is because I'm not sure how often he was helping out with the washing. Um, But that was a sign. um, uh, Trying to shake a friend's hand was also a sign. And as a country boy, you want to have a nice, strong, firm handshake. And he just couldn't. So these are the triggers. They're famous for their handshake too, aren't they? Yeah. So Dad didn't want to be someone who had a soft handshake. Um, These are the sort of... I'm sure he had M&D for a lot longer before those signs 
came frequently enough. You know, he thought there was an impinged nerve from a uh, sporting a footy injury from way back when. And he can sort of brush it off, brush it off, brush it off. But there were enough for him to then go get it investigated. I'm Dermot Brereton. We'll wrap things up with Beck Danaher on the other side of the break. The conversations that could with Dermot Brereton. Mate not feeling great? A dare fix won't fix it. But a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Welcome back to the conversations that could for Are You OK? I'm Dermot Brereton and tonight we're spending some time with Beck Danaher, part of the remarkable team at the Fight MND Foundation. So, Beck, you, you are in charge of your area here. You're seeing all these people. I imagine your husband is a great support. He's got to be your check-in because you're seeing a lot of devastation throughout the this course. You're seeing some glorious people as well, which must be uplifting. But to check in, and I imagine he's going to occasionally turn around and ask you if you're okay as well. Yeah, he definitely is. Um, I'm not the best talker when it comes to those elements of it, and he draws it out of me. And it, with MND and being around people with MND, there is heartbreak, there is there is grief that comes with this role, especially I'm meeting the most beautiful people. Beautiful people, but there is an element of they will do anything they can to to stay with us for as long as possible. They're fighting back as hard as they can against a beast that at the moment has no opponent, no true opponent. How, how does that fight play out? Is it emotional? Is it mental? Can they do something about their situation health-wise? I know that's what we're trying to learn. Is it an emotional fight? It's an emotional, it's a physical, it's a, it's a difficult fight to be told that uh, it's terminal, that there's nothing you can do, that your family are going to witness a deterioration of the body while your mind stays sharp is um, incredibly hard. So, you know, you talk about, um, Dad talks about the grief cycle. When he was diagnosed, he had to go through that grief cycle because you, you know, the, the news that you were processing was that you are going to die and your family are going to bear witness to that. And it's just about how long can you last on this earth? And there's not any treatments that you can take to help delay that inevitable. So I think everyone who goes through an M&D diagnosis would have that challenge ahead of them. And M&D has great ripples. It ripples out not just to the people that are currently fighting, but everyone around them is affected by this diagnosis and um, this pro- progression. Um, and it's really challenging Uh but I'm very fortunate that Dad took a positive attitude to his fight um, and he continues to smile every single day. Uh, I know that there'll be behind the doors heartbreak and frustration and it's really isolating, but um, when we come together as a family, it's these opportunities to laugh and and spend time together that that are so important. Yeah, and I I can never get away from, I see the name Danaher and I think of black and red. What about the Ds? The Ds. No, because they kept punching (laughs) me in the head. But I'm jealous of this family that they grew up in, which would have been competitive and... And yet anybody takes on the Danahers, they fight back. Yeah. And they fight back hard as a family. And that's what's happening now. We're a big family. So Dad was one of 11. All of them have gone off and had five or six kids. I think we had a family reunion about six to eight years ago and it was about 70 of us from grandma grandpa down it's a big family you'll turn 70. around and there's there's going to be a Danaher somewhere in here I'm sure I'm sure there's Danahers everywhere do you, 
Do you know all your relatives' names? It's hard. We need to get a big family tree. It would extend, I reckon, this whole studio. <laughs> it's something so special to be a part of and it's something that you could take for granted. I talk about going up to Ungary for Christmas and you've got cousins just everywhere. You're sleeping on the ground because there's not enough beds for everyone and yeah. it's so much fun. And then I uh, can have conversations with friends and they've got two cousins. It's uh, a little bit hard to wrap my head around, but we're a close-knit bunch and we look after each other. Which one of you guys came up with the, let's slide them down a, uh, a slippery <laughs> dip into a pool full of ice? So the ice bucket challenge had just gone right across the world. That's right. And we wanted to use the platform, the AFL platform to talk about what MND was because, you know, hardly anyone knew what MND was. Amazing effort for the sliders who took it on you one because we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah. We had no idea if people would support, but... I will never forget Timmy Watson. So you had to raise 10 grand. Um, you would have remembered. Yeah, you got yeah. to raise 10 grand to be able to then nominate the next person. And we were trying to raise 250000 across the whole Big Freeze campaign. And Tim Watson got nominated. And I think within 15 minutes, 100, 150000 was raised just from that one moment. It showed that the fun and laughter really activated people to be wanting to be a part of it. And balancing that light and dark conversation that we had, you know, it is grim. That's so important, if I can just interject there, because it is a dark conversation, but you guys have turned it into something that, I won't say humiliates, but but (laughs) makes fun of the people who go sliding. Yeah. And they are so willing to be participant. Yeah. Yeah, I think we want people to feel good about being a part of this. This story is not a sad story. I know there is elements of it, but this story is about empowerment. This story is about fighting back and taking control of a situation. It is not not this death and gloom. We don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on what we can change and how we can improve people's life in the future. And while we're doing it, we're going to send people down into a pool of ice that's negative two degrees <laughs> and those faces that they come up with are just 100% true because it is freezing in there. So... You know, Dad, he loves to laugh. He loves to smile. So seeing him up on that stage and He loved them, to push him early oh, days too, he didn't did. he? Gave he got an extra a, shove, yeah. Got a lot of joy out of that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the AFL have been wonderful in their support as well, giving you that scope on that day. Yeah, we are so thankful for that. Uh, the AFL have allowed us this platform and we can speak to the AFL community and also the broader community. And I reckon it shows us how much... Despite, you know, a pandemic, rising living costs, uh, all the difficulty people are going through at the moment, the bushfires, the floods, there are just so many hardships out there for people to continue to reach in their pockets, to buy a beanie, to donate, to fundraise each and every year blows me away. And, you know, we are so thankful that we had this platform that we could utilise to tell our story because... Unless people know about it, they don't know the fight that people are going up against. And us Aussies, we love supporting an underdog, and that's what we are. But we're becoming a bigger dog. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be able to take take it on and then ride off to the sunset, not needed anymore. My dream is 100% to not be needed, to walk away from vitamin D because vitamin D, the big freeze, doesn't need to be around anymore and the community are allowing us to happen and AFL giving us a platform enables that. So we're so, so grateful. That is that is the dream. That is the fulfilment, isn't it? If you can get to that. You're heroic. What you're doing, it's outstanding and, and, and brave. And I wish I could say, are you okay to you? But <laughs> you seem pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm going good. I'm going good. Uh, we're out here fighting for everyone else. Like, uh, 
I think the kudos goes to everyone that continues to support the campaign because they're the pioneers that are enabling us to do this. We're just a small, really small organisation, um, but our message is getting out there and people are, are supporting us. And when the day comes that we find an answer to this beast of the disease, it's because the Australian public have backed us and, and continue to back us. And one day the eureka moment's going to happen and um, it's going to change the lives of so many people. Beck, thank you for joining us. And I hope your wishes are fulfilled somewhere down the track. It won't happen tomorrow, but let's get there. Keep raising. We will. We, will. we won't stop. We will not stop until that answer's found. Beck Danaher. Thanks, Beck. For more information or to make a donation or even buy one of those fantastic blue beanies, they're turning into collector's items, I might add. Just go to the website www.fightmnd.org.au. I'm Dermot Brereton and we'll be back next week. And remember, when your mates bottle it up, a dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay? Thanks for listening. The Conversations That Could with Dermot Brereton. When your mate bottles it up, a dare fix won't fix it, but a conversation could. Ask, are you okay?